Welcome to another delicious edition of A Book and a Bottle, where we offer a unique service to lovers of books and booze, stories and sipping by pairing fantastic novels with fine wine. Every edition, my guests and I read a different novel, then taste a bottle or three before deciding on our perfect novel pairing. Our bottle might be directly from the book, or inspired by it, or even contrary to it. You can find all our past books and bottles, from Bridget Jones to Brideshead Revisited, on our website, along with a complete bibliography featuring all the bottles from each book. Marion loves Tom, Tom loves Marion, Tom also loves Patrick, and as for Patrick and Marion, not so much. Set in 1950s Brighton, My Policeman by Bethan Roberts is not the most obvious Valentine's pick. Yes, there's love and romance, but there's also shame and betrayal. Told by Marion and Patrick over the course of 40 years, it's inspired by E.M. Forster's long-term relationship with a married policeman. Painfully tender, disarmingly honest and surprisingly funny, it captures the power and frailty of love. My guests for this edition are Simon Heafield from independent booksellers Foils. Hello. And Will Hargrove from the rightly revered Corny and Barrow. Hello. Simon, did you fall for Tom? Or Patrick? Or Marion? <laughs> um, Tom is an interesting one. He's... I feel like we don't find much out about Tom, actually. And both of the characters that we, we experience this story through are completely fixated with Tom. He is the kind of centre of their world. Yeah. And, and we, we spend a lot of time as the reader kind of obsessing over Tom. Um, but my feeling is that they have a very superficial kind of understanding of Tom. And they're, but I don't feel that either of the two characters really get under his skin. Um, and I think because we only get their perspectives, we we don't really get the sense of Tom having this kind of inner life. Mm. So, um, and, and in terms of how they, how they think about his kind of interests and his personality, I think there's a degree of, um, of them kind of imposing what they, they sort of want to see. I mean, they're both very, uh, they both sort of like the finer things in life. I think Patrick is slightly more comfortable in that world for, for Marion. It's a, a slightly new area, but she's she wants to explore art and literature. Will, would you have liked to have heard from Tom? Do you think that, you know, if, if we'd had some sort of Tom's diary or, or some letters from Tom, or do you think actually, you know, it, it's good that Tom remains something of a mystery? I think it's better that he remains something of a mystery, actually. It's kind of a little bit like a painting where you've got, everything in sharp focus except the middle because mm. thinking of the characters I kind of have an idea of what they all look like from the description but but Tom I get an absolute idea of a shape but I don't really get a face to him and that's probably because you don't hear him read or speak in it yes yeah, so the, sto- the story is told with Marion uh, in the present or presentish day recollecting the events from the 1950s onwards and it's interspersed with Patrick's Diaries. So we have, you know, these two narrators who are very invested in a particular version of reality, and the reality exists somewhere independently of, of both versions of events, doesn't it? Yeah, I think that's one thing I sort of would have liked to see more of in the book, actually, the sort of sense of these two narratives kind of vying for our kind of um, our, uh, credence, I guess, because we, there aren't that many points in it where we see the same scene described from both points of view and I think that would have made it that would have been quite an interesting thing to sort of to read Mm. um but I think yeah there is there is a sort of mystery with Tom I mean we for example we never we never really find out why 
he's so sort of reluctant to spend time with Patrick in the kind of the now period of the book in the 90s when they're sort of they're older and, and she's caring for Patrick in their house and all of those in the first kind of two-thirds of the novel almost he's not even really there in those parts of the book he's a presence in another room or you sort of wonder has he died and she hasn't told him um and I I, I never really got felt that we got to the bottom of why he was still sort of so distant from Patrick? After well, I, all I, I thought that was because his heart had been broken. I thought I thought that the reason Tom, you know, so, so you know, plot wise, um, Tom and Marion meet and get married in 1957 or 58, I think it is, and their friend is Patrick, who's a sort of third wheel. But Patrick and and Tom are both in love with one another. I think it's a mutual love. It's not just Patrick yeah. adoring Tom. Tom also loves Patrick but is less comfortable with that identity whereas Patrick is is more comfortable and in fact quite defiant about it I think one of the things that's interesting about Patrick is is that here's a gay man in the 1950s who doesn't hate himself mm. he hates the world yeah. around him for hating him but he doesn't hate himself he has doubt he has anxiety he has depression he has all of these things uh, whereas Tom is not is, is much less comfortable with his identity but nevertheless it's Tom who makes the first move they both, whichever kind of narrative you're reading, Tom always seems more interested in the other, the, the sort of the third wheel. So when you're reading from Marion's point of view, mm. there's a real sense of yeah. Tom having this kind of love and longing for Patrick. And when you're reading from Patrick's point of view, you don't quite see that, feel that as strongly. I think there's this kind of insecurity or this fear. And of course, Patrick's been slightly deceptive in how he's kind of got Tom to spend time with him and I think there's a there's a slight sort of barrier there for him yeah and no, I, I, the interplay I think is done very well and it, I agree that it would be nice if there were a few more clashes of storytelling between between the two mm. rather than it dovetailing but in a way there's a kind of slightly comforting predictability about the way that one follows the other I mean Simon it's the 50th, 50th anniversary of the decriminalisation of homosexuality of the Wolfenden um, report and I think it was for me really interesting to see a world that is so different to the world that we have now that I think a lot of people take for granted a world where Patrick's former partner was, was blackmailed and committed suicide and a world where a letter like Napoleonic Venice you know a, a letter from an opponent can destroy your life yeah and I, I think the the casting Tom as a policeman sort of adds a really interesting um sort of dimension to this because you get a real sense of animosity from Patrick towards the police as an institution and for him they are not there to make people safe or to to make protect people they're they're an enemy they're someone who um he feels very threatened by um which is quite quite powerful to read in a novel you don't see that perspective every day you more often get the kind of john mccain's that sort of heroic Mm -hmm. role of the police um sexuality obviously is a big focus in the book class is the other big focus isn't it i mean this is really about a love affair across across class barriers. Yeah, you, you do feel that sort of very strongly, and there's a Patrick has this kind of very sort of patrician air to him. He's very educated. He's always dropping in references to his his Oxbridge education, and you do yeah. feel that sort of part of that, that tension between Marion and Patrick, and partly comes from their sort of their 
positions in life and, and how they've kind of got there. Yeah, he says that she he can tell from her from the particular heels that she's wearing that she's upwardly mobile and has Tom's future mapped out in kitchenettes and, and new furniture. Scathing. But I, I think it's also um there's the element of a woman's role in society and it's she sort of Mm. her parents of her mum cries I think when she goes away to she's tells her she's going to grammar school her mother's got the kind of very traditional ideas about what a woman should do in life um while she's quite a kind of timid and mousy character I think there's there's actually a kind of core of steel in there there is something quite bold in a very understated kind of quiet way about her she she follows her path. Tom's obviously got his his demons. I mean, Patrick is happy in a slightly precarious way, but yeah. they've all got things going on to deal with. It's quite a sort of volatile environment. Patrick's most comfortable in his own skin, in a weird sort of mm. way, yes, actually. Yes. And he's the most he's the he's the character I found it easiest to get my head around in terms of my mind's eye, but also in terms of finding not not predictable, but but knowing what his take on things would be. Mm. Um, it's a book that's full of tension, a book that's full of secrets, um, and also just of deal- dealing with great, big, difficult, enormous things, not, not, not just secrets. Um, so, Will, how did you begin to think about coming up with some novel pairings for My Policeman? Um, well, yeah, it was, it was quite tricky, really, in a way, although the most obvious one to have done would have been Port and Lemon, because it's very much Marion's drink in the, in, in the, the book. But it, I really found it easiest to base it initially um, around Patrick. And there's a couple of references to Claret, so we've got a couple of those. Yeah. Um, and, and, in fact, two different Clarets and two very different Clarets, but one, one slightly more um, up the hierarchy than the other, which I think also is a slightly sort of Patrick-like thing. I think Patrick would have quite a quite a, a, a definite idea of what he'd like to be drinking yes i i mean i'd be very happy to have patrick bring wine to a dinner party and then on others i thought you know there, there were a few little slants to to things and then i thought something that was just unexpected which is which is where we go to portugal but uh, okay so where shall we start well, i think we should probably start with 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 portugal with the white so we have uh, a wine which has a sort of slightly egoy name but actually it, it really isn't and they're not they're not like that at all but guru which is from uh, northern Portugal, uh, from Sandra Tavares da Silva. Uh, and it, it's a wine that I love. I buy myself. I, I've cellared bits and pieces of it because, actually, the reason I found it intriguing is it's not quite what it appears to be. You think of Portugal and you, you think, A, of port and red wine, um, and you don't necessarily think of, think of whites. But it's, it's a wine you can serve as an aperitif cold, and it works really well. And it's a little bit more like, say, white Bordeaux. Or you can let it come up to almost room temperature, and it's quite a lot richer and more generous. And, and so it's pretty flexible food-wise. But it, it's it's a bit of a chameleon, which I guess is um, what, in a way, some of the characters in the book were trying to be. Yes. Yes, Tom's blue uniform doesn't really blend in well in other environments. So tell, tell, us, um, tell us about the grape. In there. Well, no, these are, it's, it's from four different indigenous grape varieties, so they have names that would mean nothing to anyone, really, and it's a f- what, what's called a field blend, which you get quite a lot in Spain and, and um, Portugal, where actually you'll have a vineyard that, you know, it, normally if you're in, in Bordeaux and other places, they're planted with a grape variety here, you know, different bit of the garden has a different grape variety in it, so to speak. But I, I love the fact that it has a little bit of toastiness from the wood about it, quite a lot of sort of uh, apricot, little bit of lychee but it has a nice refreshing feel and, and at this sort of temperature it's it's quite well rounded well, it's got much more 
bite than I thought that it was going to have. The, the smell is quite sort of floral and sweet, isn't it? Yeah, and you think it's going to... I, I, I mean, it's definitely got much more grip, uh, much, more, uh, much more acidity, which is why I think it's going to have that brilliant aging potential I mean people often people think that you know you only get tannin in red wines you, you get tannin in whites n- not as much but it, it has that slightly I, want, I hate to say drying because drying sounds negative it's not a negative thing but um, mm-hmm. a moorish sort of slightly saline almost finish mm. to it I can see this being a wine that Patrick takes on one of his picnics because it yes. can warm up a little bit and it doesn't have to be kept sort of totally cold absolutely perfect for that yeah, so he's going to take it to Cookmere Haven in a basket with the with the ox tongue and the rock four yeah. and and have a, a cold glass and then get in for a swim and come back out and yeah. um, and so have it open up. And I think the vast majority of white wines are like this now that you chill them, but then when you bring them out of the fridge, don't go putting them endlessly back in the fridge. Mm-hmm. You know, let them come up and mm-hmm. you sort of follow it. So we've 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 started with a chameleon of a white. What's the second? Well, I think we should I think we should probably go on to the claret next. Now this is so there's there's quite a few references to claret and I think um it would be if if Patrick had a standing order with his wine merchant and I don't quite know exactly who his wine merchant would be. Obviously I have, I have a pretty good idea who could look after it. I think claret would be the thing that he would have a you know, a case of at home in all all the time, if you like. Yeah. Um does get a few references as I say and, and, and has a sort of traditional and I think that's one of the interesting things about the book is that Patrick is comfortable with his well, relatively comfortable with his sexuality, but at the same time uh, wants to be sort of part of the establishment as well. Yeah. And Bordeaux is a massive wine-producing region that yeah. that is a very important one. So tell us about this particular wine. So, so, so this is 2012, so this is our current um, blend, and what we do is we have three or four of us go down to Bordeaux to, to see Maison Seychell, who are a really old uh, English-orientated firm, if you like. In Margot, they own Angleday which is uh, one, of, one of the sort of top, top chateaus for, wow. for Margot. And they have a business buying and selling wines on the side of that. So we go down and do a, a massive blending session. And I think it's one of the things people think, oh, you know, a company that has a house claret, just, you know, they just get something that's good enough and slap a label on and blah, blah, blah. Actually, just as much, if not more, effort goes into the production and the choosing and selection of something like this than, than goes into you know than goes into wines you buy from a chateau that you buy from most years. There's just enough dryness and you know to carry it forward. The fruit, I mean, it's it's all there. It's very summary, yeah. actually, um, un- unexpectedly, which I don't think people would necessarily think about with claret. I mean, it's very fresh, and I think this is the wine that Patrick could could serve without feeling like he was wasting one of his good bottles of Marion and Tom didn't appreciate it. Yeah, but I also think it's it's a wine they would be comfortable with. It's yeah. not pretentious in any way. It's not too full on that I think they would enjoy it and they would enjoy feeling like they were drinking a really quality wine. But as you say, Patrick wouldn't be uh, sort of wasting. Yeah. So I think this this would be the claret that, that Patrick would serve to Marion um, and Tom, I think that the next wine is possibly the claret that he would have at lunch with his boss when he's taken out um, yeah. from, from yeah. by his yeah. museum boss. Would you want to tell us about that? This is um, a Grand Cru Saint-Emilion, uh, a wine we've worked with for for a number of years. And this is immediately much darker looking. I mean, it's a little bit little bit torter as well. I mean, being a a step up in in, in quality, but b the fact that it's that couple of years younger. Um, you know, this would have been in bottle for a year, a year or so. This is this is the wine that you can imagine when Patrick is down on his luck to be sort of vague about what happens. But later on, but this is the one he's he's sort of 
closing his eyes and dreaming of, I think. This is one he's missing a little bit more. Mm. Um, okay, so we have to choose one of, of the three. Um, and I think, this is, I think this is one of our toughest picks ever, actually, because you know, every single one on the shortlist, I think, speaks to a different aspect of the book um, really closely. So it's a great shortlist, Will. Thank you very much. Um, I'm going to go to you first, Will, and then, and then to Simon. So if you could just choose one novel pairing, what would it be for you after a talk today? I think because of the word featuring in the book as well, I, I would go with the claret. Actually, I think I think that I think the Guru the White is is great and delicious and interesting, but is a, is a more quirky choice, should we say? But I think I think that the claret says a certain amount about Patrick, particularly. It is this is really hard because I do really like the the third choice, um, and it has a really sort of delicious flavour. But I think the second bottle, the claret, really kind of sits well with the book in, in, in that the book is a lot about the, the kind of delicate balance of class and social standing and um, self-expression and all these things. It's a very well-balanced bottle of wine. It's, it sits well, as we sort of talked about, it's a wine that Patrick would be perfectly comfortable drinking, but so would, so would the other two characters. I think it just it feels right for the book. Well, you know, I actually I found myself really wanting to choose the first, really wanting to choose the white because I do think that it is it is um, incredibly nuanced, and I think it does change the more the more that you have it with you. It really does change. But I think for me, in a, in a strange way, it's 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 more it's a Patrick wine. Um, it doesn't say enough about the rest of the novel. So for all the reasons that that you've both said, um, I think it has to be the claret. Um, the second claret is our as our novel pairing for my policeman. So thank you both very much. Thank you.